Check, check. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Calvary Chapel Arrowhead. Got a few announcements this morning. Um, as some of you know, Wednesday night, we do intercessory prayer. We'd like to invite you here in person. If you can't make it in person for some reason, pray with us. You can pray with us wherever you are, except for when you're driving with your eyes closed. That's probably not a good idea. But you can do it while you're driving. I do it all the time. It's what gets me from one place to another, I think, sometimes. So Wednesday nights, intercessory prayer. Um, women's Bible study next Saturday at 9 a.m. will be here. And it will be experiencing Jesus is the topic. So you'll ask somebody about that for more information. No, just kidding. Anything that we have, if you need more information, you can find it on the website. So feel free to browse away on ccarrowhead.com. Um, young adults ice skating next Saturday at 1130 at AZ Ice. So see Thorson, wherever he is. And he's in the back. So when you, oh, there he is right there in the corner. I'll wave to Thorson. Hi, Thorson. So see Thorson if you have any interest in being a young adult or ice skating. I think that's how that works. I'm going to go see him after we're done here. Maybe I get my hair back. After seeing his do, maybe not. I don't know. Um, one of, sorry about that, Thorson. One other thing that uh, wasn't on the announcements initially, but I want to share with you guys, it is Pastor Appreciation Month. So, <laughs> so we're going to roast Pastor Dan. No, we're not going to roast him. We're going to cook him really slow. You know, the temperatures aren't that high. Too bad. So there's a few fun facts about Pastor Dennis. Pastor Dennis has been the senior pastor at CCA for 13 years. 13 years. Yeah. He drives every service over 100 miles to and from to get here and to get home. 100 miles every day. So you guys do the math. I don't know what 100 plus some other number is, but it's 100 plus another number, and it's a lot. So there you go. Um, he is a loving husband and a father to Danae and Sherry. I'm Derek, Danae and Heather. <laughs> loving, loving husband to Sherry and a father to Danae and Heather. I'll get this straight eventually. Talented musician, and he has a huge heart for kids. And he is a faithful teacher of the Word of God. So the last thing is that he loves cats more than dogs. Maybe? No, I got that backwards. I think he's a bigger fan of dogs than cats. But feel free if you've got a spare cat, stray cat, he's, he's all for that. So um, there you go. With that, while you guys think about Pastor Dennis and, and pray for him over the course of the month and not just this month. <laughs> Do, um, oh good, I'm glad it's not something I said. <laughs> um, do feel free to text him, to email him, to drive by and throw a rock with a note through his window, you know, anything like that that works, just to let him know that you're thinking about him, praying about him, or praying for him, and that you care about him. So with that, I have one more announcement, and a special announcement, um, actually two more announcements. Children's Church will be opening, a reopening on October 25th, and I'm going to bring Pastor Dennis up right now to talk a little bit more about that. That is exactly the way this works. Glad I could be there for you. Yeah. We'll talk. <laughs> All right. 
All right. Um, well, this is embarrassing now. Um, I don't know who that guy was, Sherry, but I want to talk to you about who it was you were seeing. Because you haven't changed. But I want to know the number of the truck that hit me. Um, all right, situations. That's what I want to talk to you guys about this morning. Situations. Where did my papers go? They are right here. In a moment, we're going to see our Skituations promotional drama team. Skituations is a children's church soap opera. How many of you have ever seen a soap opera before? Anybody? How many of you still watch soap operas? Don't admit it. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. They're good. I love soap operas. We have a former student that is a star in one of the soap operas. That's a story for another day. Anyway, this soap opera is where adults and teens portray children in real life situations learning how to live the Christian life. It's like a reality show every week, okay? It's fun, it's relevant, it's interactive, it's familiar, it's easy, and that's why I, we are doing this this morning. It is a promotional thing trying to recruit people to come up and be a part of our children's ministry. Um, we're recruiting two complete cast and tech crews. Uh, cast A will perform for a volume of skits and then a three-week break, and then cast B will perform another volume of skits so that no one gets overwhelmed. And, and a volume of skits is about between six and nine weeks. We've got openings for directors, actors, tech crew, um, and uh, with that, I think, is there anything else, Sherry, that I need to mention? Carly, anything else I need to mention about it? No, we're good to go? All right, well, we're going to be handing these out to you, these colored forms, okay? And you can either do it online, fill this out, or uh, smoke signal us, okay? So, ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome our Skituations Drama Team. So we're here to help you. Well, thank you, Harvey. Um, yeah, I guess you could uh, sweep the sidewalk right here. Okay, Pastor Rufus. All right, thank you very much. Hi, Pastor Rufus! Oh, Zelda. Um, hey, Zelda. How are you? I'm here to help you. Oh, that's you this afternoon? Yeah, you should have to do by yourself, I'll, I'll get this trash oh, and pick it up for you. Wonderful. Thanks, Zelda. Sure. 
what? You know those green bugs that are on the roses? They're they're called aphids. There's one. Oh. You spray this, it kills them. Dead. Oh, that's that's wonderful, Tina. <laughs> My friends. You guys know you don't really need to help me. I can do all the work by myself, even though I work part-time here. I don't think you can, Pastor Rufus, because you don't even have time to pray for yourself. What are you talking about? Well, you know, I, I can do all this work without you guys. It's totally okay. Remember, though, you asked us to pray for you yesterday, Pastor Rufus. Oh, yeah, that's right, but that's not why I asked you guys to pray for me. You guys understand that? Well, we know you didn't forget how to pray. The question is, have you been pray? I wasn't supposed to say that. <laughs> so guys, come on over here. Let me explain to you guys something. That's not why I asked you guys to pray for me. I have all day to pray. I am always talking about to God about something. Well, you need time to pray for yourself, so we're giving you free time. Well, thank you very much, but that's not why at all I pray. I ask you guys to pray for me. I'll, I'll show you something. So this is why we pray for each other. I'm going to go to the book of John. See, God doesn't want us to only pray for ourselves. He wants us to pray for others. See, three very important things happen when we pray for others. Number one, it helps us not to just think about ourselves. It does the opposite. It helps us think about others. And it helps build a relationship with those we're praying with, right? So take Jesus. I mean, he prayed for us all the time. John 17, verse 9 is a great example. He says this, I'm praying for them. For those whom you have given me, for they are yours. See, Jesus himself is talking to God the Father on our behalf. That's pretty cool. See, the Apostle Paul as well, maybe the greatest Christians ever. He says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, that he and his friends have not stopped praying for those he has been writing to. So be a Paul. And what I mean when I say ask for others I say this, I uh, try to pray without being asked. See a need and ask God to meet them where they're at. And most importantly, pray that God's will would be done in their lives. Because at the end of the day, he knows what's best. And also when your friends are going through a hard time, pray for God's peace and guidance through those hard times as well. So that's what I mean, meant, my friends, when I said to pray for me. Do you guys understand? Oh, yeah. We get it. All right. Well, let's get back to work then, huh? Oh, that's OK. okay. You don't need to Let's go find Kelly. Come on, Tina. But we'll pray for you. OK. Well, the Lord giveth, and he taketh away. <laughs> As you can see, you don't need to memorize your lines. <laughs> and actually, you can do it 
we, we can do this as a reader's theater where you have the script before you. Rehearsals are only before church, so there's no midweek rehearsals that go on with it. And um, my wife will be directing the first session, the first nine weeks, or six weeks, or between six and nine weeks. And um, I don't know what else I can say about it. So let's give a big hand one more time for our Skituations drama team. Come on up, guys. Come on up. Come up. Quickly, 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 quickly. Yes, there you go. And here you go. Hand them all out to everybody. All right. Okay, at this time, I would like Roy Rose to come forward and lead us in the call to the word, please. All right, good morning, everybody. Isn't it awesome to be in the house of God this morning? Praise the Lord. Let's stand in honor of God's word and open your Bibles to the book of Exodus. Chapter 34, we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 9 this morning. Let's read. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of their fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Moses made haste to bow low towards the earth and worship. He said, if now, I have found favor in your sight. O Lord, I pray, let the Lord go along in our midst, even though the people are so obstinate and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your own possession. This is God's word. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the the blessing of this love letter that you wrote to us over thousands of years, Lord, and the way that it ministers to us. Lord, your word tells us that the natural man can't understand the things of the spirit because they're spiritually appraised or spiritually discerned. So this morning, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall in this place in such a way that your children would hear your word in a fresh, and new way, Lord, and that you would minister to us, that you would give us a supernatural ability to focus and pay attention on what you have for each one of us today. 
what a privilege it is, Lord, to be able to come into your home and to have, sit at your feet and be ministered to. Your word says that we should enter your gates with thanksgiving and praise. And that's what we did this morning. As we were raising our hands and singing praise and worship to you, Lord, we were entering your presence. So now, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your servant, Pastor Dennis, and you would minister to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay. Let me ask you a question. What is the purpose of prayer? Anybody know? I didn't quite hear that. It is a form of worship. You are correct. Anybody else have a, an idea what a pur the purpose of prayer? I know you're afraid to say something because you think you're going to get a wrong answer. So just say Jesus and you'll be okay. All right? The universal right answer for all Sunday school questions. Yes. Yes. I don't know who said that. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate that. Um, that's not fair, by the way. You guys are speaking out, and I don't know who's talking. <laughs> Wouldn't you have loved that back in school? Timothy Keller said this, Christians are used to thinking about prayer as a means to get their personal needs met. More mature Christians understand prayer as a means to praise and adore God, to know him, come into his presence and to be changed by him, transformed. And I would add this, not that I am on the level of a Timothy Keller, but more mature Christians understand intercessory prayer as the more to be desired exercise of prayer. Quoting Andrew Murray now, the attempt to pray constantly for ourselves must be a failure. The key word there is constantly, like in, that's all I pray for, is my needs. The attempt to pray constantly for ourselves must be a failure. It is in intercession for others that our faith and love and perseverance will be aroused, and that power of the Spirit be found which can fit us for saving men. Yesterday, I had the honor of performing the funeral of a very good friend of mine, uh, Richard Carrillo. Richard was 62, and he died suddenly of a heart attack. Um, it was a shock to everybody, but it goes to show us the, the frailty of life, doesn't it? You just don't know. It could happen to anyone at any time where you find yourself face to face with your creator. Now, in Richard's case, it was a joyful entrance. It was one where he could smile and be in pain no more. And now he awaits for us to join him. But not everybody has that relationship with Jesus Christ where they have that assurance that if I were to die, like right now, if you were to die right now, would you be in the presence of the Lord or would you not? Ultimately, 
That is God's desire for everybody. How many of you know that? Yeah, and Peter says he, he is not willing that anyone should perish. He takes no joy in the death of the wicked. And by wicked, we just mean anyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ personally. There's no joy in that. And it's not his desire that anyone should perish, but that everyone should repent. Believe on the name of Jesus Christ and be saved. That's his desire. And I think it helps to keep the big picture in mind because we can get really, really caught up in the mundane details of life and think that that is the most important thing and it's not the most important thing. I don't know how old you were when you finally discovered that life is not about you. Probably when you had your first child, right? Especially when they hit their twos, right? So what we are, I say striving to do, but what the Word of God is teaching us right now is the great need for intercessory prayer for your lost loved ones, for the world, and also, as we're going to see today, for Christians who have sort of lost their way. Do you know anybody like that, guys? Christians who have gone their way, who have their prodigals now, they've walked away from their faith? Or do you know any Christians who will say are nominal Christians? You know what a nominal Christian is? A Christian in name only. There is no transformation of their life. There is nothing about them that would tell you just by watching them that they are a Christian. You'd probably have to find out by surprise. It was like when I was driving to, um, to Blythe and my truck broke down and um, a young man pulled over in his 1973 pea green pinto hatchback. <laughs> And he opened the back door and climbed in. And uh, I had a friend with me, so he took the front seat. I took the back seat. It's just crammed full of junk. You know, it was one of those things, hat back shut, and your face is kind of pressed up against the glass. Anyway, he pulls on onto the road. And he, he, he just reaches over and he turns the radio off. It gets real quiet. Takes a puff out of his cigarette, throws it out the window, rolls up the window. And he says, you know, I'm not scared of you guys. He says, if you were to try to jump me right now, and I'm thinking jump from the back of a 73 Pinto. He said, I'd pull this car over and I'd drag your butts out to the side of the road and I'd beat you up because I know karate. As I swear, this, this is true. This actually, actually happened. And I thought for a minute, I said, well, you know, um, we're not really here for any trouble. We trust the Lord Jesus Christ to take care of us and all of our needs. So I think we're all good here. And then he says, oh, you guys are Christians too? <laughs> you see, we talk about the church today being an inch thick and a mile wide. And that's a perfect example of it. We're, we're not 
it, maybe you're, you can be really deep in sound doctrine and you can still be only an inch thick in a mile wide. The thing is, is that we're not being the salt and light that we should be to our culture. We are not. And most of us have known that. And the only way we're going to get out of those doldrums is through intense, prevailing, corporate, intercessory prayer. You see, intercession is the link between our powerlessness and God's omnipotence, all-powerfulness. So let's rewind real quick here. Remember the quintessential attributes of God. Notice I pronounced it right. Remember? The way he prefers us to think about him as we approach him, it's according to his goodness. Remember 34, verse 6, chapter 34, verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Remember, that's what Moses wanted to see was his glory. So to show Moses his glory, but not in the fashion of some um, manifestation of power or some bizarre thing, he said, this is my nature, this is who I am. This is my name, it's my character, these are my attributes. And this is what I want you to know first and foremost about me. This is the quintessential quality of who I am. And when we come to know God and know who he is and his great love for us, the most practical thing we do is what Moses did. He fell face down and worshiped in verse 8. He made haste, bowed his head toward the earth, and worshiped. Now in verse 9, he begins once again, Moses that is, to intercede for the children of Israel. Look at what he says. If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your inheritance. And he said, that is God, behold, I make a covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation and all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. What would you do, or what would your reaction be if God said, you know what, I'm going to do something awesome with you. I'm going to do something awesome before you. I'm going to do something awesome with you. I, I go back, back down again, face down, and worship. I wanted you to see verse 10. We're going to unpack that next week. But I want you to see that there is power in intercessory prayer. There's power. Now, this is the fifth time Moses has prayed since that incident with the golden calf. Remember that? They're dancing around that golden calf, and it sort of uh, irritated God just a little bit because I just told you, don't have any gods before me. Don't make 
any image, don't make any golden image to worship it. And what did they do? Just like a two-year-old. Here's the line, don't step over it. What do they do? They step over it. And so did the people. And then Moses began this ministry of meditation. Now, do you realize, I mean, not meditation, intercession. Do you realize that you have that ministry too? That you are all, that we are all called to it. Some have, I would say, maybe a gift for it that get into it. Like if you've seen the movie uh, Prayer Room, or what's it called? War Room, right, right? And that woman, how many of you prayed like that? Awesome. Okay. But we all are called to intercede for one another. But how many of us really, really do it? So Moses is mediating here in verse 9. That means he's intervening on the people's behalf before God. To intercede literally means to come in between. To come in in between our, our beloved rich here tried to come in between two dogs that were fighting and kind of lost his thumb but that's another story for another day he tried to intervene he tried to mediate between the two dogs i don't know how you talk to dogs now sadie you stop that and Ro rover you, you knock that off too okay you guys shake hands and make up Moses is acting as an intercessor, one who comes between God and those who deserve his just wrath and punishment. He's lifting his hands to God and he's saying, God, these people deserve your judgment and you have every right to smite them. But if you do smite them, you'll have to smite me first because I'm standing in between you and them. Just like Mr. Rich got bit by the ducks, a person who is interceding is standing in the middle and also could get hurt. Moses, that's what he said, right? If you're going to strike their names out of the book of life, take my name out also. This is very much actually what, like what a defense attorney does. Standing and intervening on behalf of an accused with the justice system. Moses is rapidly becoming a full-time defense attorney here. And he's going to be one for 40 years, okay? That's a career and a half, right? Now, I want to go through a few scripture phrases so you can see his career start. And there are certain words and phrases I'd like to invite you to underline or highlight, all right? Uh, let's start with Exodus chapter 32, verse 11. Exodus 32, verse 11. Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Notice what he requests. Here it is. Turn your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Do you feel that God is about to remove his hand of protection off of the United States of America? Do you sense that perhaps his judgment is going to fall on our nation? 
Can you pray this prayer? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. Okay, let's go to verse 31, same chapter. Then Moses returned to the Lord. Okay, and again, this is all around that golden calf thing. These people have committed a great sin, and they've made themselves a god of gold. Yet now, here's a phrase that you want to underline. If you will forgive their sin, can you pray that about the United States of America? I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written, if not. And then Moses said to the Lord, look at chapter 33, verse 12. You say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. I'm going to repeat this a lot, so you want to underline that. And what have I taught you? That whenever you see something repeated over and over and over again, it means God's trying to say something to you. He's not just speaking to hear himself speak. You see... Ask yourself this, have you found grace in his sight? Well, if you know Jesus Christ personally, you have. You absolutely do. You have found grace in his sight. You have found unmerited favor. He's looking at you with unmerited favor. You don't deserve it, but he loves you, and he wants to pour out his blessings upon you. So Moses saying, um... In verse uh, 12, I know you by name, and you also have found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, verse 13, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, that I might find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. A lot of us believe this nation that we are living in was founded by the will of God. It was founded on principles of Christianity. It doesn't mean everybody who was here back at its founding were Christian or acted even acted like Christians. But there was a, a desire to, to commit this new world to Christianity, to God himself. And did we find grace in his sight as a nation? Yeah, absolutely. There's been no more powerful richer nation ever to exist on this earth. Indeed, we have been blessed. Now, in verse, uh, chapter 33, verse 15, Moses said to God, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? There's the proof. You come with us, you're with us, you're doing what you do. You're leading, guiding us, protecting us, providing for us. We have found grace in your sight and it will be known to all the people. Now, go to chapter 34 and verse 9 where we started this morning. Moses again, he says, Now if I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let, the, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin. 
and take us as your inheritance. Remember, sin is doing the things that are wrong that you don't even know that are wrong. Iniquity is doing it's wrong, knowing it's wrong, and doing it anyway. So pardon us. Is there is there iniquity and sin that our nation needs to be pardoned for? Yeah, I think so. Now let's fast forward. Let's get to the border of Kadesh Barnea in Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. Okay, let me give you the background of what's happening here. They've been exploring the promised land for 40 days. Kadesh Barnea is at the border of the promised land. So 40 spies were sent in to search it out and they returned and they reported to the whole community what they had seen and they showed them these grapes that were as big as bowling balls. Okay, that's a grape, you think? That's a grape. Can you imagine the wine that was being produced back then? Okay, well don't. Um, maybe that's a problem. I don't know. And so they go, yeah, this place is bountiful. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Now that's just an expression, okay? It doesn't literally flowing with creeks with milk, okay, and honey dripping all over the place. It doesn't mean it's bountiful. This is this is a good land. This is great. But whenever you hear that, what do you think of like Oh no, here it comes, right? They're giants in the land, sons of Anak. They'll devour anyone who lives there. And then look at verse, chapter 14, verse one. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. This is going to get on God's nerves, you think? Look at verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me, even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them? I'll disown them and destroy them with a plague. And then I'll make you, Moses, into a nation greater and mightier than they are. Do you know that's the second time he's offered that to Moses? That's the second time. Now, if I were Moses, I would have accepted it the first time. <laughs> all right. But Moses doesn't. He jumps into defense attorney mode and he intercedes for them. Look at verse 13. Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear it. For by your might, you brought these people out from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. In other words, word's going to get out. Okay. Social media is fast back in the day. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by now, night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, 
because the Lord was not able to bring the people to the land which he swore to give them. Therefore, he killed them in the wilderness. Now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, now notice what he's doing here in verse 18, the same thing your kids have done to you all your life, and you hate it when this happens, don't you? He's thrown back to the Lord's face what the Lord said to them. The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Okay, there's my legal basis now for the request I'm going to make here in verse 19. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. He recognizes that these people, they, they've been doing this all the time. So you've been forgiving them all up to here. Don't stop now. Keep pouring out your grace and your mercy and pardon them. So it's like I said, Moses is rapidly becoming a skilled full-time defense attorney. All right. Now we'll touch more on that in just a second. But what I want you to see here at the moment is that Moses is a type of Christ here. And it's no surprise, okay? He's going to intercede and be counsel for the defense just as Jesus is the counsel for defense for us. Look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And you need to be so glad that this is in the Bible. First John chapter 2. That's right. Go to the book of Revelation, make a quick left, and a couple blocks you'll come to First John chapter 2. Okay? The Apostle John writes this, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. Okay, so really, you don't have to sin. And it really is God's will that you do not sin sin. How many of you kind of knew that already though? Yeah, okay. And if anyone sins, and you say, you mean when I sin? Yes. You have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation, big word, for our sins, and not for ours only, but for also for the whole world. Now look at that word advocate. It's parakletos in the Greek, okay? It's also translated comforter, one who comes alongside to help. But it also is translated as one who pleads another cause before a judge, an intercessor, a counsel for the defense. John MacArthur said perhaps a modern concept of the term advocate would be a defense attorney. Although Satan prosecutes believers night and day before the Father due to sin. Christ's high priestly ministry guarantees not only sympathy, but also acquittal. All right. I don't know if this has ever occurred to you. But Satan, his name means that is accuser, right? You guys knew that? The word Satan means accuser. And it says in Revelation 12.10, that the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth 
and they call him the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Doesn't this guy have anything better to do? I mean, everything he's accusing me of is true. Okay, I, I can't. There's nothing that I, he's accusing me of that I haven't done. But he doesn't quit. He doesn't stop. And who is he accusing me to? Well, the judge of all the earth. God Almighty. All right? And what I don't get is the fact that he has never won a case. When Jesus has stepped up as the defense attorney, Satan has never won a case. How many of you remember Perry Mason? Right? Hamilton Berger, the character in Perry Mason that I think after the second season, I would have fired the guy. He's always going against Perry Mason, and he never wins a case. Never wins a case. It's insane. He keeps coming before the same judge, the same defense attorney, making the same accusations over and over, and he keeps losing. Isn't that the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results? Well, let me remind you of something. I mean, I do believe that Satan is insane, okay? And I think it's insane to continue filling cases with the highest court in the universe or filing cases. But let me remind you of our own little habits of litigation, right? Did you know that Walmart gets sued nearly 20 times a day? Over 5,000 lawsuits every year. And it's usually over the same things. Employees suing about employment discrimination and wage and hour claims, mostly involving overtime. I don't know how those all turn out, okay? But that's a lot. And you, you think like, somebody get a clue here, but they don't. Does Satan get a clue? No. He keeps filing the lawsuits, and Jesus keeps defending us, and the Father keeps pardoning us. The tactic of our defense attorney is not to manipulate the evidence for us or to even make excuses for their sin. He bases his entire case upon the fact that he is the propitiation, the payment for our sin. Quite a high price. It wasn't millions and trillions of dollars. It was his very life. That was the price that was paid. Otherwise, we would face sure justice. Now, if we are intercessors, which we're supposed to be, if we are sort of a defense attorney for those we're praying for, going before God, and in this specific sense, praying for God not to pour out his judgment upon them, but seek their good on behalf of God. What do you base your case upon? What gives you the right to stand before God? Well, the same thing that keeps us clean before God. Christ's righteousness. That's what we base our case upon. 
his sacrifice, the fact that he delights in mercy. God has said so. Like Moses, he kept hearing God say, we know I'm abounding in mercy, abounding in mercy, abounding in mercy. Well, okay, if you like to give mercy, then I'm going to expect it. I'm going to ask for it, and I'm going to expect it. Now let's go back to Exodus 34 and take a closer look at the tactic Moses uses to defend his clients. Now I'm teaching you these things, guys. This is a specific type of intercession. We need to intercede for one another's needs. Someone's lost their job, we should be interceding in God, to God on their behalf to provide employment or to provide for their needs. If it's a health issue, a relationship issue, all of those things. But what we're talking about here is being made right with God. Interceding for others to be made right with God. Okay, now look at verse nine again. Moses said, if now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. In the sections leading up to this comment, from chapter 32 to 34, five times Moses has prayed, if I find grace in your sight. Remember, we went over those. Four times he has prayed for God to pardon their sin. So he's quoting back to God what God has just declared about himself. That he's long-suffering, abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. And then in Numbers 14, 19, he's talking about the greatness of your mercy, God. And in verse 19 of Numbers 14, he says, pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Back in Exodus 15, verse 13, Moses prayed, you and your mercy have led forth the people from whom you have redeemed. And in chapter 20, verse 6, he says, by showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Excuse me, that was God declaring himself again, saying that he's merciful and, and, and shows it to thousands. And in 25, verse 22, God says, I will meet with you here in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, in the, with the Ark of the Covenant, and above the Ark of the Covenant, the Shekinah glory would dwell. And he says, I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy See. So between Exodus 25 and 34, he mentions God's mercy five more times. Okay? I'm going to confess something here to you. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But if I were a good defense lawyer interceding for a, a person or a people group, I would hang on to these declarations and use them in my arguments for mercy on behalf of my client. Moses has learned to pray within the promises of God, and that's the point, guys. Learn to pray within the promises of God. According to his declarations, his word. Moses' reasoning, I found grace in God's sight. God is patient and abundant in mercy. Therefore, I will ask and expect him to be merciful and forgive and pardon the people's sin. Our ministry is the ministry of intercession. 
We are a kingdom of... Oh, I thought you were going to say knuckleheads. That's true, too. <laughs> we are a kingdom of priests. Moses is showing us this is what one of the main roles of a priest, is to represent the people before God. We are to intercede, to stand between the people and God's judgment. Turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. I know we were just there, but I just want to actually irritate you by making you turn your Bible all over the place. 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. And I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. If you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray. And God will give that person life. If you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death. Okay, well, of course, we're all wondering, well, what does it mean to lead to death? You know, what sin leads to death? There's only one, and that's the rejection of Jesus Christ. All right. I felt if you see a believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray, and God will give that person life. What's that doing? You're praying. You're interceding. You're standing in the gap. You're asking God to forgive a believer his sins. And in doing that, you're fulfilling the Lord's commandment to love one another. Now, where non-believers are concerned, yes, we're supposed to pray for them too. Luke 23, 34, we're supposed to, well, actually that was Jesus, right? Asking God to forgive the ones who were crucifying him. And then in Acts 7, 60, Stephen is asking God for him to forgive the men who were stoning him. Which brings up an interesting point here. Do you ever ask God to forgive those who have hurt you? I mean, hurt you deeply. Or, yeah, you say, yeah, I prayed for them, right? Psalm 58, 6, right? Break their teeth in their mouth, Lord. <laughs> you know, you can pray for them and not feel like you want to forgive them. Do you understand that? You're making a faith choice. You're being obedient, even though you may not truly, completely mean it. Now, you've got to go a little bit further than like when you used to apologize to your brother or sister. Do you remember that? Say you're sorry to your sister. Sorry. You're so stupid. Right? Not like that. You know, shake hands, <clears throat> whatever. Okay, no, a little bit more than that. I know that I'm supposed to forgive the pain and hurt that you just caused me. I know I'm going to have to accept the consequences of your sin against me, but I'm going to choose to forgive you. And Lord, I ask you to forgive them also. Don't hold this sin against them. I'm being like Jesus. Well, you said you wanted to be like Jesus, right? That's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Charles Spurgeon said, earnest intercession will be sure to bring love with it. I do not believe you can hate a man for whom you habitually pray. If you dislike any brother Christian, 
pray for him doubly, not only for his sake, but for your own, that you may be cured of prejudice and saved from all unkind feeling. Easy to say, a little more difficult to do. But hey, that's what strengthening faith is all about. Moses took God's promises as well as what God had revealed about his character, and he made these the basis for his prayer. Get the hint? Okay, I'm going to stop here, and next week I'm going to pick it up, and we're going to head into Genesis 18 and see the first time intercessory prayer was ever, ever exercised. But now let's let the worship team come on up, please. And let's all stand. Ask the elders and the the ladies in women's ministry to come on up by the tables. And as Natalie plays for us and sings for us and ministers to us in music, I'm going to invite you to come forward and allow them to intercede for you. Whatever need you may have, you don't have to be. Um, explicit in your description of what it is, but if it's a need of forgiveness, then let them intercede for you. If it's a need for finances or health, whatever your need is, the Lord has promised to become and to meet that need for you, but it's not going to happen without prayer. And not only do you need to pray, you need to have others praying for you also. It's a mystery to this. I mean, God says that he already knows what you need. Well, if you already know what I need, why don't you just do it, right? Well, there's warfare going on to a degree that, that we fully cannot appreciate and understand. Spiritual warfare. And this is part of that battle. I believe that God loves to pour out his blessings upon his children. But his children need to fight the fight. You need to fight the fight in the spiritual realm. Pray and be prayed for. You should be thankful you have someone who will pray for you. Uh, when I was near death, people would ask, what can I do for you? You know, And first I thought, you know, wash my car, change the oil, cut my grass, pay my electric bill. But honestly, the only thing that would comfort me and the only thing I coveted was prayer. Oh, please pray for me. Pray for me that I am strengthened. Pray for me that I am patient. Pray for me that I persevere through this thing. And if God would will, please take this pain and depression away from me. Now, God did answer those prayers. But I can tell you, honestly, without those prayers, I probably would not be standing in front of you. This is the privilege you have as a child of God. The world doesn't have this privilege. 
they got nowhere to go. Well, they go a lot of places, but those places have nothing to offer. Buddha is not going to answer your prayers, guys. All right? Krishna is not going to answer any prayers. Muhammad, Allah, is not going to answer your prayers. There's only one prayer answering God in all of the universe. And that is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So as she sings, I'm going to invite you to take advantage of the opportunity to come forward and to be prayed for, okay? While others are coming forward, would you just bow your heads and start interceding for this nation, for your neighbors, for your friends, for the people who are sitting next to you, okay? Let's pray. Father, we take a moment now, Lord God, to come before you, acknowledging your presence and acknowledging that you are the sovereign, almighty God. Who is like unto you? Who? None. No one. You are merciful and compassionate forgiving and pardoning and so able to help so I intercede for these precious people here Holy Spirit move upon them to come forward and be prayed for so that they might receive a time of refreshing hope and encouragement and even healing. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.